In the most divisive of times, the great debates rage on. Who was the best Batman? Was the book truly better than the movie? Did Han shoot first? Nerds with opinions will seek to answer life's greatest questions. Hello there, fellow nerds. You are listening to Nerds with Opinions, episode number 120. As always, I'm your host, Matt Holman. Today on the podcast, we have a very special episode. We're doing an edition of Collector's Corner, but it is unique in the fact that I will be handing over hosting duties to my guest host, Jimmy Levins, and he will be interviewing me about my Stephen King book collection. That's right, constant readers. If you are a Stephen King fan, you will be very interested in what I have to say about my Stephen King book collection and just about being a reader, a book lover, and a collector in general. A couple of minutes I want to make to this episode. Uh, we recorded this a while back, and I have since not only expanded my Stephen King book collection, uh, I've also expanded the books that I've read. I mentioned in the episode that I'm doing this extended Dark Tower reading list. And from where we recorded this at, I had just finished The Stand and I had just started Eyes of the Dragon. So I want to make a quick amendment to that. I have since finished Eyes of the Dragon, finished The Gunslinger, Dark Tower 1, finished The Drawing of the Three, Dark Tower 2, finished Night Shift, and I am now currently reading The Talisman. So that's where that's at. And I also mentioned in the episode that I did not own any of the Bachman books other than The Regulators. I have since bought a paperback lot off of eBay of all the Bachman books, again, on paperback because they're very hard to find, <laughs> hardcover. So I have purchased The Running Man, Blaze, Roadwork, Thinner, and The Long Walk. And I have since then grabbed up a few more Stephen King hardback novels that I didn't own, uh, including Christine, The Dead Zone, Full Dark, No Stars, Just After Sunset, Nightmares and Dreamscapes, and Firestarter. So those are the updates you'll hear me talk about, you know, um, in the episode, not having any of the Bachman books. So that's that's since changed. So the uh, and also I think I mentioned like the um, the total n amount of titles that I have uh, collected. So that's now up to 58. Pretty impressive, right? Okay, without any further ado, let's get into it. Constant reader, constant listener of Nerds of the Opinions. We are talking about Stephen King books here today on Collector's Corner on Nerds with Opinions. Okay, I am back with guest host Jimmy Levins, and we are coming together for a collector's corner episode, but we're going to do something a little different than what I have done in the past, where I'm usually talking to someone else about their collection. Um, and I might chime in on, on some of my stuff. This is going to be Jimmy interviewing me about my Stephen King book collection. And you've prepared these questions, so at this point, I'm going to let you take it away. I guess I should say what kind of inspired this. We just did the the uh, Collector's Corner episode with you and your Criterion Collection films, and it was a really fun 
dynamic and fun conversation. So I thought, well, let's maybe just do the opposite of that. Yeah. So that was kind of uh, the idea. Yeah. And also a very specific collection. So with all with that said, uh, take it away. Yeah, uh, I actually have a fun update on that kind of regards the last episode is I found oh, my okay. white whale. I found my white whale. Uh, I found like cool. I found a Harold and Maude replacement copy that I lost. So I thought I'd give the listeners that like positive news update. Uh, uh, are you comfortable enough disclosing how much it was? A, a forty bucks, not too bad. Oh like, shoot, uh, yeah, that's yeah. that sounds like a steal then from what you were talking about. I was very self conscious because as you know, eBay is very much like up the bid, up the bid, up the bid to where I'm like thinking I don't want to like go above a certain amount, but like for some reason, and I had two tabs for a DVD and a Blu-ray copy. Um, and I just happened to land on the Blu-ray, but everything else was like, all right, because everything's like a hundred bucks or 70 or a hundred bucks now for the out of print criterion. But that, I decided to give that update since that happened just today, actually, that wow. seemed relevant to the last episode, yeah, but, yeah, but yeah. enough about, but enough about me. I mean, it's all about you, Matt. I mean, you're a host and now the tables have turned and I get to give you some questions because yep. I don't yeah, think we've done now. this. I don't think we've done this since, uh, it was our anniversary episode, the one year anniversary. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. yeah and uh look where we look where we are right now we're like over or past the triple digits uh we're like i don't even know how many episodes i've been in uh quite a few so it's always fun uh getting you some questions in i think you've probably uh, been in if not a hundred darn close yeah at least i want at least three quarters feels like a very safe number to say like uh, I, yeah, I can't maybe between I, 70 and 80 I, maybe i'm I, guessing a little too high I tried counting, but uh, I might need to pull up Bandcamp and uh, I and the Apple uh, the Apple Podcast app or Spotify just to kind of compare the numbers because I've been curious too. Because I've had friends ask me who I got listening to the podcast, and they're like, "How many episodes have you and Matt done together so far?" And I'm like, "Good question," <laughs> but like, uh, but happy back for the listeners. Um, yeah. But I guess yeah, you're right. This is about Stephen King, and he's been this guy that was kind of been sprinkled throughout so many episodes. And so it's kind of fun to kind of dip our toes into one that's so focused on him. And you're definitely the the biggest Stephen King nerd fanboy that I know. And so I guess first oh, things first. I, I guess, so I've got my sweater on because I was working out before, before oh, this, but at, at your request, you? I mean, oh, I'll, I'll show you, the viewers aren't gonna see. I have the, oh, the Stephen King rules t-shirt from Monster Squad yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, so I, I came I came prepared. That is a double episode reference. Yeah, we've got both Monster Squad and Stephen King going on. So that's that that that's a nerdception, uh, I guess you could say. Yeah, I think that um, is. But I mean, really, I mean, like you're definitely the most avid reader king that I know. Uh I guess when did you get started? Uh how did how did you get started on Stephen King as an author? Like what was your first book? So I believe we I think we covered this when we were talking uh, about King in the Shining Adaptation Wars episode. Uh, but yeah, it was pretty, it was pretty early on. And I, it's one of those chicken or the egg sort of things that I can't quite yeah. remember whether it was a film or a book. Um, it, it honestly might have been a film, uh, but I, I honestly think that like maybe the earliest was uh, the shining movie and I, either way, it was just kind of um, all downhill from there as they say. And uh, yeah, I mean, I think like I, I remember reading early on um, the shining 
and like checking out like the Tommy knockers. And I, and I was like aware of Stephen King at a pretty young age because both my parents would read him, not probably as religiously as I have. Um, so, but I think when I got hit by like how great of a author he was and how, and like that I kind of developed this huge fandom of his was, um, when storm of the century came out and that, even though it's a screenplay, I would say that is, it's like top three favorite books of all time for me. I love that story. That's definitely one I don't hear often, and I, I'm very intrigued by that because uh, I remember seeing that on our work blog uh, that you put that as your top three books, and I was surprised uh-huh. that that out of all the Stephen Kings, that was the one uh, that you put there. I mean, like it, yeah. it, it is a screenplay, so that's very interesting, and I'm very eager to hear kind of more about that. So I just and- I love that story, and it's so King. It's you know it's on this tiny little island in Maine. And it's got that very like small town uh, with its small town secrets sort of thing, which is a very common trope he utilizes. Uh, and, you know, there's this otherworldly v- uh, villain and it's a formula that he's went back to um, oftentimes with great success, not always. Uh, and yeah, I just, I really fell in love with it. And then I, kind of just kept reading more and more and more. And as I've gotten older and grew more of an appreciation for literature and then filmmaking, um, I, and I, I think nostalgia really helps his work age well uh, because there are some some themes and tropes of his that have not aged well, but I think nostalgia can kind of... Um, put a little shine on the good aspects of his work and put a little shine. I see what you did. there. Ah, yes. And you know, you can kind of, well, you know, I, I, the shining has some problematic themes in terms of like our tropes, like, um, the magic black man and, and, and things like that. And there, you know, there's, there's some, uh, King's use of the N word and stuff does not age well, but there's, I think that that book is still like, so in the, the cultural zeitgeist because, uh, it's a free product of its time in terms of like those problematic tropes and like that problematic language, but the, the good aspects keep it going and keep it alive. Um, Whereas if that was a shitty book, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be remembered and we wouldn't be going, well, OK, there's some really problematic language in it. And there's some problematic tropes um, that are what you know, what we now know are oppressive. Um, but other than that, it's really well written. Um, so anyhow, that's a little bit of a rant. But yeah, I. As I just got older, I just kept kind of becoming you know, more, more into him. And now there's kind of like this, this Stephen King Renaissance and we are seeing not all of them are great, but we're seeing a lot, uh, another uptick, uh, over the last few years, several years really, um, on adaptations of his work. And I think that always is like a, 
it's a motivator for me to like go back and either reread stuff or maybe if there's stuff I've missed. Um, so yeah, I, I think it was to really go back to answer your properly answering your question. I was pretty young and I can't quite remember the first thing, but I, I like the first few things I remember consuming were the were films and then like the shining and storm of the century really like locked it in for me. And that's like very late nineties. Yeah. It's, it's clear that Stephen King has a special place in your kind of pop culture fandom heart. Uh, is there yes. any other author that you put up there or is Stephen King kind of the placeholder you would say? Oh, uh, that's a really good question. Um, well, I'd like to say JK Rowling. I've lost a lot of respect for her and her social and political viewpoints. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, she's just kind of like a Twitter shit poster now. Um, but you know, I mean the Harry Potter books definitely changed my life. Uh, and I think in a positive way, but it, whereas you've seen this interesting thing where like King has kind of grown with age. He's still definitely a boomer. Yeah. But I, I enjoy his like kind of old man Democrat rants on Twitter. And like, so I respect <laughs> him as a man. Um, so I think it's, it's easier to like kind of put him on a pedestal, um, you know, because at least he's kind of tried to change, you know, he like kicked his drug and alcohol habit. And um, anyhow, uh, I think, you know, I, I can't really think of a specific author that has been active for that long since childhood until now. Um, I will say somebody that I think I have like great affinity for their work, but they're super frustrating to be a fan of <laughs> that's, but it's more like since I've discovered in adulthood is George RR R. Martin. Oh uh, uh, yeah, dude. Yep. He has left an indelible imprint on my life with the uh, song of ice and fire books, but it's the most frustrating fandom because obviously like we yeah. don't need to get into yeah, well, I was going to say, we don't need to get into how the show turned out, you know, yeah. I think most we, we did a whole mini series on that. Yeah. Yes. Um, but then, like, obviously, we all know that his book series is left unfinished and mm -hmm. who knows if that'll ever happen. But uh, I mean, reading his work was um, quite a joy. Uh, the only other one that I can think of that this is kind of weird, but uh I think it, I think it applies because it's still literary. I would say Frank Miller, Todd McFarlane and Alan Moore in the, like the realm mm -hmm. of comics and graphic novels, I think were, have been, Oh, and Stan Lee. Oh my gosh. Oh yeah. Like, yeah. I think like Enough said. Stan Lee, Jack Kirby. Uh, I mean, Jack Kirby was more of a, uh, of an artist, but I mean, he definitely had a, a creator's hand in early Marvel. Mm -hmm. um, all of those creators, I think have like left an indelible mark on. And I, and I still like, hold them up um but yeah i guess in the literary world uh those are the ones that that stand out well you listed a lot of uh like honestly great company like if that was like a dinner uh that'd be a great like dinner party to have just have all those people at the same table uh you mentioned some other types of different authors as well like do you collect any other types of books besides stephen king's books or i mean like i know are, i know you're an avid bookworm is there any kind of thing in terms of books that you would say like i have a collection of this to kind of coincide with your stephen king collection you know i do like owning books 
And um, I'm definitely a big proponent of buying something that I appreciate, that I that I love, that I would maybe read again. Um, and then sometimes, like, if I find something used that's just cheap um, or maybe even new, but just, like, not a bad buy, I, I might just do it anyways. Or if it's something I'm really looking forward to, I might uh, pre-order something. But I actually don't really think I have, like, a collection. I, I do um, I do have some really early uh, Tolkien paperbacks from the 70s that my mother oh, nice. gave me that, like, I cherish those. I don't know if it's a collection because, you know, I don't have, like, a, you know, a, a Tolkien collection or anything, uh, although I absolutely love the Lord of the Rings books. And I, I read The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings from those very books. My mom gave them to me yeah. as, like, a middle schooler. Are those um, those psychedelic cover arts, like kind of like that 70s surreal kind of style? Or is it the one? I'm trying to think if I'm visualizing the like right ones in a, mind. They, they're like cream colored. Okay, I think. Next time you're over at my house, I'll show yeah, them to you. They're cool. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I mean, as you all know, I'm a graphic design nerd, so I'm always down for good cover art. Always yeah, down. Yeah, they're very high fantasy designed, Ooh, but it's, uh, yeah, they're they're cool. I'll show them to you. Um, so I have those. And... I have like my childhood Harry Potter books. Um, but yeah, I don't know, man. I don't, I don't really think I have, I, I, I do. Again, I don't think this is a collection. I, I do have like, uh, I really enjoy, um, I really enjoy biographies of wrestlers. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. I've seen your good, I've seen your Goodreads list. I, 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 I know your, your criteria. Yeah, uh, but yeah, I don't, I don't, I really don't consider it a collection. Honestly, I don't think I w- had a book collection outside of just like, oh, I've got a generalized, you know, collection mm-hmm. of books, but like a specific collection until I really realized I had a, a King collection. Yeah, because you've, I, m- I remember, the, and I'm paraphrasing what you said in the last episode, is that like a distinction of like, cherished items to a collection is you're pursuing them uh or the the, the throw the hunt you could say like in terms of the number of books that king's published because the number that i have here is 64 novels five non-fiction books so i would assume that would matter that would be like his about writing book i would imagine yeah um 11 collect uh 11 collections of short stories i would imagine because i'm looking at wikipedia uh that's my source and then 16 other so I assume that's more like pseudonym and like maybe other forms of like YA, because I know he's done a few YA. In terms of the mm. numbers of books that he's published, uh, how many do you, what's your collection at currently out of curiosity? So what's funny is uh, I we so when we were talking about this last night and kind of getting mm. prepped for the episode, uh, I you were checking out because I've got um I'm pulling up my my Goodreads right now. I've got this uh, categorized. I started utilizing the shelf feature on Goodreads, which I'm going to just put over Goodreads right now. If you're Mm -hmm. a reader, a literary fan, a book collector, bookworm, whatever you want to call it, and you're not using Goodreads, you're missing out and you're messing up. (laughs) Uh, and I'm sure that if you are a listener of this podcast, you know how much I love lists. I love categorizing things, Mm -hmm. uh, for films. I've, 
uh, you're a letterbox guy and I'm an IMDB guy and Goodreads is very much like both of those platforms just for books. So I, there's a a shelf function and you can make your own shelf just for categorization. Mm -hmm. And I, I found that to be very helpful for this. So right now it says I have 45 King books and I, I went through and I, I'm pretty sure that's accurate last night. Um, so 45 King books and that's, I will say there, Mm -hmm. it is a mixture of, I have on writing. So that's a nonfiction. I've got storm of the century, which is this original screenplay. And then I've got some of the short story and novella collections mixed in here too. So, you know, shake that out how you want it to. Yeah. In that variation, uh, soft cover, hard cover, you have preference. Uh, great question. So that is basically how the collection was born. Because remember how we were just talking about with the Criterion Collection, mm-hmm. uh, with your Criterion Collection, when I asked you like, how, how did you know? When was it that you realized you had a collection going? So I had to think of like a, a lazy collection uh, that was I wasn't super active with for quite a while because I've had. I have King books that are super, super old that I got from my folks. And then uh, I've picked, you know, some up along the way. And uh, in the last, I don't know, few years or so, I was going back and um, he's got such a huge bibliography. Yes. That I, I was realizing like, man, as much as I love the guy, like there's a bunch of his, of his stuff that I haven't read. And, and then there were some, some rereads that I did, uh, that it took me a decent amount of time. Um, like when the, when the newest it movies came out, I, uh, reread it. But at the time I was finishing up my bachelor's degree. So that took me a long ass time because no, same. it is it is a undertaking it <laughs> reading for fun when you're in college is the is so difficult um so and then it's already long uh so and i had read that before but it, it had been a really long time so anyway so I, along the way i, I was kind of just picking up uh i would pick up paperbacks sometimes new and then if but if I ever went to a used bookstore or Powell's in Portland, uh, I would, you know, if I found like a a good older paperback, because I really like, I really, and we'll get into this, I'm sure, because I think I saw it on your your list of questions. I'm, I'm a real big fan of the older artwork. And mm-hmm. if I could find, you know, even an old mass market paperback with cool old artwork, I'd pick it up. And then... Uh, in the last few years, uh, I then would kind of like, if I found the similar era of hardcover, I would pick those up. And then Mm -hmm. what really kind of scooted that forward is right all relatively close together. I managed to find, this is all pre pandemic, excuse me. I went to the last Medford Comic-Con that they had. Oh, yes, yes. The, yes. the library had a uh, a booth and they were like selling off like old books for like a dollar. And I got Gerald's Game in relatively good shape, like hardback. 
and insomnia and then shortly thereafter i was up in portland and then i got a couple more kings um needful things uh paperback tommy knockers paperback misery but like the original artwork uh and a few others and then so i kind of realized i'm like oh, i've got like a little mini king collection like mm-hmm. some some new stuff um or newer prints, I should say. And and it was relatively small. But what really took this off was I I kind of started uh, having a bit of an itch to get m- more of my faves of his mm-hmm. in hardback. And but I mean, like I said, I was really only like looking for these when I would act actively go to um a used bookstore and you know not all that long ago that wasn't super possible because of how things were going on in the world mm-hmm. and it just struck me one day i was like uh why don't i look on ebay and it kind of snowballed from there and I, I'm, I'm not sure if you have a question specifically about that but so now the, mm-hmm. the collection is actually overwhelmingly hardcover and it's okay it used to be the other way around um i do have I do have some paperback books, um, but how I'm actively trying to steer my collection, I'm trying to get stuff in in hardback. So, so it's, are you, it's a mixed bag, but it's more hardback. Okay, because that, that kind of comes to the next question, which is like in terms of I know a lot of book collectors will have a variation of vintage, early, and modern printing. Do you, are you trying to transition all your modern stuff to vintage? Do you have a preference or like, cause you kind of hinted earlier that you, you want to transition a lot of yours to hardcover. Is that the same thing with like vintage versus modern? Yeah, definitely. So for instance, like I said, I had the, like the misery paperback, the Tommy knockers paperback and they're cool, but like I bought them, they're, they're beat to shit, which I kind of mm-hmm. like with an old like mass market paperback, especially that, that- that old book smell too. Oh, I just yeah, love that. yeah. There's something nice about that. But um, I ultimately was like, okay, I, I want to really try to get some of my faves in in hardback. Specifically, what I was originally kind of searching out for um, were Misery, It, uh, The Stand, The Shining, Heavy Pet Cemetery. Yeah, the bangers, um, like uh, uh, my favorites or like, you know, the ones that are considered like his his creme de la creme. Um, mm-hmm. And yes, that definitely was uh, a practice in, OK, I want to get I want to get some uh, vintage versions of some stuff I already had. Like I've, I had The Shining, uh, but I had a modern uh, paperback of it. So yeah, the lean is definitely too vintage and that's largely due to the artwork. Okay. And then in terms of in that kind of cohort of your collection, are there any alternates more unique kind of like uh, kind of things that a fan would really enjoy like foreign, t- foreign editions or more unique collector items? That's definitely, a, that's definitely an interesting subculture of, book collecting and king collecting uh yeah. too 
Because my uh, cousin collects foreign editions of The Hobbit, and he has like eight in different languages. And so it's kind of fun to see yeah. the, how they're printed differently, how the translation comes out. So I'm kind of curious to hear more about, about that with Stephen King. What, what, what's that like? Well, there's so to, in terms of like my involvement in it, I know about it. I At this point, I'm not super interested in having it in my collection. That's not to say that if I ever came upon something that was that seemed cool or um you know, I, I wouldn't necessarily be opposed to it, but it's not something I'm actively seeking out right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I have, anytime I get, you know, interested in something, I research it to death. And yep. uh, the the foreign uh, cover art is always alternate and it's it's pretty interesting. And there's like, and there, there is definitely, um, there is definitely foreign Steve, Stephen King collectors that are trying to get the American stuff. And then there are American Stephen King collectors that are trying to get the foreign stuff. Mm-hmm. Specifically, the biggest difference you'll, you'll see are more in like UK versions versus uh, US versions. And those are typically the more um, accessible anyways. Like I, I have seen some, um, I have some, I've seen some non-English versions. And then what's interesting is sometimes those will have like American artwork, but then they'll be printed in Spanish or uh, French or whatever. Um, And then then there's the uh, outside of like the foreign cover art, there are specific collector editions. um, And like, it gets really, really in depth, like to the point of there's, um, I can't remember the name of the publishing house. There are very much kind of like your criterion collection. There are now like, uh, boutique kind of art house publishing houses that get a, they get a limited license for these books from like, you know, King's main publisher that's, you know, currently doing like reissues of the shining or the misery or whatever. And they get a license to do a very limited run with like alternate, uh, artwork. And usually like the, the presentation is really advanced to like leather bound and like all that kind of stuff. Um, I've seen a few people online, that are hardcore King collectors that are, that got into that game. Uh, and that seems pretty cool too. I, again, I'm that I'm not currently interested in that, but I have an appreciation for it. Yep. If it comes your way, I mean, I definitely seen one of those where it's like, um, I can't remember if it was at Barnes and Noble, but it was basically this really cool edition of Salem's Lot where there were these beautifully made illustrations uh, that kind of coincide with each chapter. Um, and I, uh, or they have like those big bulk ones where it's like three books in one. I don't know if that, counts or not but like um it, yeah no it's like the alternate stuff's always pretty cool because it kind of gives a different like eye and to king's work and a different appreciation in terms of though in, in the span of king's work though are you also seeking out his pseudonym titles like do you have any of those in your current collection his richard bachman's if you will his uh i'm trying to think he has two pseudonyms i want to say i only know about bachman I think it's probably just Bachman then. Oh no, no, he's okay. done collab. He's done collaborations. That's that's why I'm probably getting names mixed oh, up. Oh, okay. Yes, 
because I forgot he yeah, worked with like, the there's like the, the Peter Straub books, which like, that's yeah, yes, yeah. And then he's done he's done some other ones outside of that, but like most people know about like the Talisman and like Black House. Yep. Uh, but yeah, so the Bachman books. Um, what's interesting? I'm gonna blow your mind. I've yeah. never read any of those. Are you? I mean, like, what? Out of curiosity, is there a reason, or is just hasn't no, really just haven't got been... around to? No, okay. uh, yeah, it's just I. You know, because I'm not going to front here, even though I'm a huge fan. Like, I have absolutely not read his entire bibliography because it's very vast, like you mentioned uh-huh. earlier. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just I, I hadn't read them. Um, they are definitely like on my list. And I uh, so I I I wouldn't I don't currently don't have any Bachman books. I was looking into you now those books are really, really interesting. Uh, mm-hmm. No, I lied. I do have a Bachman book. I lied. I lied uh, because I have, I have, um, oh shoot. I can't remember if it's, uh, oh, uh, I have the regulators in desperation. The regulators is written as oh, Bachman, yes. but this is, this is fairly modern. Definitely like well into everybody knows who he is, but the yeah. reason why desperation of the regulators uh he put them out right around the same time because the idea of it it's pretty cool is uh the idea is like they're mirror universes mm-hmm. and so it's like you know one side of yourself and then another side of yourself and everybody knows like the bachman stuff is is darker and so he wanted to like, okay, I'm going to rewrite this story as Bachman, uh, which is like a pretty cool idea in my opinion. Um, so yeah, I, I lied to you. I definitely do have, I have, that's my single Bachman. Um, but so the interesting thing about his pseudonym stuff is outside of the regulators and blaze, mm-hmm. a lot of it is really, really, really early on. And some of those Bachman books are like books he wrote in high school. He was a teenager and some of them were like trunk books and stuff. Um, So thinner is relatively easy to find the ones prior to that, like running man, the long walk, uh, those, those books, uh, they're really 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 difficult the most difficult one is rage because he purposely let it go out of print because it's about a teenage boy who commits a school shooting very problematic you know theme and i I, once he realized like how much of a problem this had become he purposely let it go out of print and so it's very very hard to find um I haven't read that, but I know enough about it that I'm like, I don't care or need it enough to pay a ridiculous amount. Um, And it has so much affected the value of those early Bachman books that there, there was a early collection. Once it was revealed Mm -hmm. that Stephen King was Richard Bachman, uh, his, main publisher put out a collection called the Bachman books. And this is like eighties when this, you know, gets dropped. That is even like, 
It's ridiculous, dude. Like I, I crappy copies are 60 some odd bucks like that are falling apart. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to pay that much money for something that's, that's crappy. Uh, and because why they're so valuable, I'll tell you is because that's the mm-hmm. last version that had, uh, the Bachman books. That's like kind of the it's so there's that original edition. And then there was a second edition of the Bachman books that is huh. not quite as, uh, valuable, but it's still hard to find. And again, I didn't have as much nostalgia about any of those cause I've never read them. So I was literally just kicking the tires where I was like, I think that that might be one that I would maybe just either like try to check those books out at the library and see what they're all about. Mm-hmm. Or there, there is a current Bachman books collection, but rage is not in it. And, and what's interesting is like, I guess that these are the completists. I, uh, there are people because it's right now. It's like I think I've got it like in my my Amazon mm-hmm. list or whatever. That book uh, book has like three and a half stars on Amazon because people dive bomb it because they're mad that it doesn't have rage and it's like, hey, come on, just do some research. It's been out of print for a long time now. That, that, that's a weird thing to leave a negative review about. <laughs> it, yeah, it is, um, especially considering the subject matter of the book. I think there he let it go out of print for good reason, but yeah, uh, long answer. Um, I want to read all those because I I have heard I've heard some of them are rotten, but then I've heard um, like really good things about like the long walk specifically. So I was trying to look up prior to have this, like no, I definitely uh, I definitely looked them up because I was very curious. Because back when I was just being introduced to Stephen King, I kept coming across the name Richard Bachman uh, in his like list. I'm like, who's this dude? And then that's yeah. and then I watched. Uh, uh, secret window where it talked about uh, pseudonyms and I'm like, Oh, and then they, they compared to that the idea of like, Oh, that's what Richard Bachman is. It's basically yeah. uh, his secondary. And I wasn't quite sure the intent behind it. Like I was trying to find out why. Oh, I know. Do you I pick can Richard... tell you. Okay. Yes. Tell me why is it, why do you pick uh, Richard Bachman? Was so it a colleague his... of his or. I don't know the significance of the name, but he, he picked up the pseudonym because his publisher put a, a cap on his like how many books he could release. And they're like, dude, like like you got it. You're going to be like in competition <laughs> with yourself. You can't be doing that. And so, <clears throat> so he, he developed the pseudonym and took it to another publisher so he could put out more books because uh, keep in mind at the time, like before he completely blew up, mm-hmm. uh, you know, like, he was struggling. He was like a teacher and just writing like part-time and trying to make it. And so, yeah, that, that was, it was kind of more of like out of necessity, just financially. And then, you know, he was getting away with it and then he got outed by a fan that figured it I, out. I heard about that. Cause I, I always get so curious by the idea of pseudonyms because it gives so much, well, especially if an, it's from an author that's so kind of like pigeonholed into a certain genre, like they were like, oh, you like they're, you can't write anything outside of what you're known for. And so I feel like a pseudonym is kind of a fun way for like explore and play, especially in different genres. And of course, King's known for that in different eras. Like, oh, yeah. would you say you have a favorite era of Stephen King? Because you kind of talked about his early era where he's a teacher and struggling and now he's so successful and now he's in different genres, like. Where would you say is your, like, do you have a favorite era of King? Well, you know what's interesting? 
Um, I think he's put out at least one good, maybe even great book every decade. He's had a lot of crappy ones in between those, especially I think where he, I think his driest period was maybe not the entire decade, but late 90s, early 2000s, I think was a dry period. But I think the uh, oddies and uh, up until now, he's had this like resurgence. But I think the nostalgia for me lies in his 70s through early 90s work. And I, I think, you know, I think we can all agree that his 70s and 80s work is like his most prolific. It's his most celebrated. Um, but you got to think of like, he did the uncut version of The Stand in the early 90s. Uh, he was still like putting out really, really good stuff. And, and I think um, you know, he didn't, Honestly, I really don't think that he kind of hit a weird spot because also think he put he wrote the Green Mile in the 90s, too. So, like, he, the guy was still, like, killing it. I don't think he hit a weird spot until he, he had that accident. And as many people know, some of his books around that time, like Dreamcatcher, are kind of widely considered to be a little weird <laughs> or bad. Yes, yes. Um, and, yeah, he had that uh, – I think he had a little bit of a lull in – in the early two thousands. But, uh, for me, oh man, just that list of books that he put out from the late seventies to the early nineties are just, oh, there's so many good ones. So many good ones. So I think, I know that's not necessarily like a super refined era. If I had to pick like a specific decade, I would probably say eighties. Okay. And I mean, like, uh, is that, and it sounds like that's kind of where it started for you is, would you say like, let's have, so you basically described those kind of few era books kind of got bit, bit, got bit you basically like the book yeah. bug, as oh, you would yeah. say. Uh, and you kind of talk also about like which books came in that made you want to start buying them. And in terms of the more recent stuff, is there anything more recent of his that you've read? Uh, or you, cause I know you're trying to do a certain like order of things, but like, What's the most recent of his books that you've, I would say, delved into? Well, let me explain what you were talking about with the order just for the listeners. Um, and this also kind of lent itself to the collection of it all. Mm -hmm. uh, so I started reading The Stand quite a while ago. And let me tell you, I've read a decent amount of books mm -hmm. over that period of time that I was just reading at the same time. Uh, I can't actually remember when I started the stand. I think it was last fall. Okay. And you've just been nursing it since basically, uh, dude, it was just such a struggle because like the, the, the things of the pandemic, like every time it would kind of get a little bit better, I'd get really bad. And, uh, I had to keep taking breaks from it. And then I got COVID myself. It was fucking awful. And let me tell you, the last thing I wanted to read was a book about, <laughs> A deadly pandemic. Too close and to home. Too close it, to home. It was interesting, though. It was very immersive and okay. some of the best and worst ways. Because I think in the best ways, it was very therapeutic. And in some of the worst ways, it was like, this is way too real. It's like, it's my anxiety is just bubbling. So it took me a long ass time, man. Um, and it is what it is. Like, I, I ultimately enjoyed it. I, 
I really kicked it into high gear in the last little bit though. And, and like read a lot in a short amount of time. Um, but anyhow, so the most recent thing was the stand. And the reason why I kind of, uh, went to the stand, I'd never read it. I'd never read it. And I always knew like, this is like peak King, but what it also feeds into that I have never read, uh, and I didn't know how deep I would go with this uh, at the time. But the reason why I decided to read The Stand at that point, A, I was a little intrigued by the mm-hmm. latest miniseries that came oh, out. Oh, yes, yes, yes. With um, um, one of the Skarsgård brothers uh, plays. Yeah. Uh, yep. Uh, and then also I had just randomly, I think I, I can't remember if I heard it from uh, – a friend that was a King fan, or maybe I just heard it online. I don't remember, but like that. Oh, if uh, you should read the stand before you read the dark tower. And that was the, a thing on my list that I hadn't yet done. I've, I've had the gunslinger for a little bit. Like I, I bought it. It was a random, like Barnes and Noble cheapy buy. It was on their clearance section. And I was like, Oh, I'll pick it up. Uh, Cause I know I want to read this. Uh, and so I thought, okay, shit. Yeah. That was the time to read the stand. Over the course of then, uh, like, kind of getting towards the middle, maybe, you know, two-thirds of the way through the stand, I Mm -hmm. came upon, I think it was, I can't remember if it was a blog or a YouTube channel, uh, where this guy's talking about, like, the best way to read the Dark Tower extended list. I'm like, what is this? I went down this fucking rabbit hole of these extended lists. And like, if you search it, there are YouTube uh, channels, videos, there are blogs, there are reddits, uh, subreddits devoted to this where there are hardcore King readers that are way more intense than I am that have read like every single thing he's put out, which that's not me, like I admitted. Um, And have put together these lists of like, Hey, there are so many connected works with, uh, you know, of Kings that relate to the dark tower and it's all by design. And this is the best way to read these. So it's, it's going to make sense and it's going to be fun to like, you know, Oh, this Easter egg over in this book called Rose matter. It, it's going to pay off when you read, you know, a dark tower number five mm-hmm. i think <laughs> i've got okay. the list but so i did a bunch of research just because it fascinated me and i thought if anything this is going to be a good excuse for me to read some more obscure king stuff because like some of these lists they get it goes way past like mm-hmm. the really well-known ones and some of the well-known ones are on there thank god i don't have to read it again that's uh, a no. great book but no um so watch the movies say, at this point <laughs> this list is 27 books long it's gnarly, and so that's it's why that's why I say that. I, that's why I say that about it because honestly, it is I think one of the best things King has written. It's one of my favorite King books, uh, but with that many books, I don't want to read an eleven hundred page uh, book right now because I just no. finished a twelve hundred page book. So uh, yeah, so then uh, that that kind of led into it because then I was like, oh, maybe this is a good excuse to like buy some of these books and and that kind of fed into it uh so yeah i literally just finished the stand last night the uncut hell yes version and just started the eyes of the dragon the same okay. evening and i was reading a bit of that today on lunch um 
I'm about 30 pages in. It's mm-hmm. short. It's 300 and some pages. So I should be wrapping that up. No, I have done Eyes of the Dragon. It's it's very interesting to read. It it feels it reminds tale. me a lot of yeah exactly. It reminds me a lot of Neil Gaiman, uh, where there's just sort of natural kind of just because it's it was written for his kids if I'm not mistaken, it, right? It's it's daughter specifically, and and like I I could literally imagine like it's just a it's it seems like a parent just like telling a story. That's how it's yep. written, mm-hmm. which is uh, different for him, but. Uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm reading that now. And because that's because, um, I don't want to actually spoil for maybe somebody that hasn't read all these books, but there is a very central character in the stand that is also in mm-hmm. eyes, the dragon. And both of those are tied into the dark tower. So no, you'll definitely enjoy eye of the dragon and those listeners you'll enjoy eye of the dragon too, because even if it's not, I don't think it's my favorite King or it's even his best work, but it's a great, I think companion piece to his other works because you really see him, I think experiment with things as an author, because mm-hmm. it's so easy to do the same thing over and over again. So it's, it's so refreshing as a reader to be like, my favorite author is doing something new. And even though it's probably not for me, I'm not the right audience. I appreciate that so much, or at least that's how I felt when I was uh, on it. Yeah, and it, I, honestly, I've been reading so because over the course of the stand, I was reading. Um, I read the first three Dune books in that amount of time, as well, and um, it's you know those are so so specifically they're multi genre too, but like it's very science fictiony, mm-hmm. um, and it's kind of fun to now go from something that is like dystopian science fiction thriller horror to something that's just high fantasy. Um, so yeah, that's, uh, and I guess, I guess you asked me what the most recent works he's on. So that's not recent. That's old as shit. That's the eighties. Um, like, okay. like Mr. Mercedes or like, uh, the, uh, the under the dome or like, I think, I think recent. the most recent work of his that I read, I I'm pretty sure this is the most recent and this isn't exactly recent. It's several years old now, but was Dr. Sleep. Oh yes. That was like 2015, it's 2013, 13. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that's not, it's not exactly recent. Um, I've heard great things about his real recent work in the last, like, seven years or so um and i'm i'm dying to to check it out but right now i'm doing this extended list a lot of the extended list is like pre uh you know the last dark tower which was early 2000s um so so. it sounds like this whole uh endeavor you're doing kind of help reinvigorate reinvigorate or help you realize that oh i'm a stephen king book collector uh yes is that safe to assume okay uh yeah because what i so what i started doing and like and how i how i said earlier where it was relatively small and it grew really quickly um was when i when i discovered how many used booksellers there were on ebay Mm -hmm. and some of these people are out of their minds and they're they're selling stuff for just ridiculous money and fuck them. Like, I don't need to, I don't need to buy stuff from them. Like, you know, there's, cause there's plenty of people that are completely reasonable, but then there's also people that are, you know, letting stuff go for relatively cheap. And so, uh, really honestly to get going, I just bought like a few lots. Do you know, do you know about lots? A few lots? Is that a eBay term? 
it's a, yeah, so it's an auction term where basically a lot is just a collection of multiple things. Oh, and then oftentimes yes, okay. people sell them just because they want to get rid of a bulk amount of things. Yeah, they'll sell them like, OK, well, you're going to it's as is. So like you might be getting a couple things that you don't really want, but you're going to get everything for a much cheaper price. Yeah. And dude, like I've got a few banger lots of like books that are in really good shape. Uh, like the the eyes of the dragon book that I'm reading right now, it is it's from um you know it's from 1987 and it's like pristine, flawless shape, and uh in that same lot there was like um a pretty good shape uh printing of the stand and and so yeah I just got a few of those and like didn't honestly spend a whole lot of money and isn't that nice when you get something really cool and you're like, I didn't have to spend anything at all Dude, for the amount of books I got. So like in, in a very short amount of time, my book collection jumped from, I probably, my Stephen King collection probably had like, I don't know, maybe 15 books, maybe not even that. And like I said, now I've got 45 and it was just from getting a few lots. And then I bought it. I made some individual purchases just to kind of round it out because mm -hmm. I was having a booger of a time tracking down uh, uh, a couple specifically Salem's lot uh, original artwork. Whew, that's a tough one. Uh, the shining it's a tough one. Um, so I ended up having to buy, buy those individually and couldn't get them in like okay. any sort of lot, but um is there yeah. anything that you've like lost on an eBay bid out of curiosity? Like any kind of crazy eBay stories you got? Well, uh, I was giving you and some of our, our podcast friends and uh, that, uh, that have done some of these horror episodes and, um, you know, were tied into like the, the shining episode that we did mm -hmm. and whatnot, like a real time update of, I was, <laughs> I was bidding on, uh, a shining first edition. And I'm, and I'm just going to also say this as a blanket statement. If I'm ever looking for a first edition or original artwork, it's a first edition, like mini prints later. I, I do not have the money nor, am I going to spend the money on like a, a first edition first print? Because those are thousands of dollars. So if anybody's thinking yeah. like, dude, this guy's rolling, it's absolutely not that. I will do like, if I can get my hands on a first edition, like 13th print or something like that, something that's reasonable and more affordable, or even, um, this is really inside baseball, uh, but for the book nerds, maybe people know what this term is, or even um, book club editions. Do you know that term? Is I assume that's with the sticker, yes, where it's like a special like release with like the Oprah's book club kind of sticker. No, or... no, it's it's yeah. not. So so some of these books, they basically will then, um, they will the publisher will once they've been in print for a while then it'll get like a little stamp just somewhere like uh, along the, you know, the credits and the copyrights and stuff. And it'll still have the original artwork and it'll still be put out around the same time. So let's say the book came out in 90, 1984, um, but it'll get that and they, they release it um, cheaper to book club members in their, they're in their membership, uh, in their membership for their, um, 
their publisher and they're distributed cheaper. And so they're less valuable. Like they get a, a a book club thing, but what's cool is it's, it's still the same era. So it's not like it's a brand new book that has a throwback cover, which honestly I'd probably be fucking fine with that too. But they, it's weirdly doesn't exist a whole lot. Um, especially for these like seventies and eighties King books. Um, so yeah, that's another, you can get those cheaper. And so some of like, Mm. My really kind of hard to finds like Pet Cemetery is another one that's hard to find in decent uh-huh. shape that's not super expensive. So I ha- I have I have a uh, I have a uh, book club edition of that. I have one of The Shining, but yeah, I missed out on a um uh an actual first edition um of The Shining. It actually didn't go for a ton more than uh what I paid for. So the person got a steal on or what I was gonna tapped out on i should say so i lost it it was like last i didn't even tap on it because i I basically got sniped at the last minute um as it as it goes luck of the draw yeah and so actually i don't even really like i don't have the time or the 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 like stress level to do many auctions i don't really prefer to do that i'd rather just do the buy it now thing yeah i i I wish they offered that more because i had to i've had some good luck doing the buy it now option but like for the herald and mod criterion that i was getting i had to like keep the page on refresh constantly because i kept i mean this is more conspiracy theory but you can maybe back me up if you've heard differently uh i wouldn't be surprised the person selling it has different like tabs open under different accounts to like bid thinking that someone else oh yeah no people up 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 it that's the other thing why i think it's often so I can guarantee you that either there somebody has a they're they're messing with bots or they have somebody else they're working with that has dummy accounts or they themselves have dummy accounts because and you'll be able to tell if you bid on something and it immediately says you're outbid like I'm yeah. talking like immediately that's what happened yeah and if it keeps happening there's no earthly way that somebody's that quick on the ball um and especially if it just keeps happening. So that all that, it, what that is, is somebody's, somebody's like hot, like watching this, like a hawk. And then they have multiple people doing that or they're botting it, which is yeah, sucky. It, and then that's when you should just cut bait because yeah, they're trying to up, upsell it. Yeah, no, that's, I didn't spend that much on my Harold and Ma, but I can definitely tell there were some bots at play because I kept thinking that's weird. Why is it not letting me, I kept having to refresh the page because I don't want to bid bid an extra five bucks when I really bid. Originally, I was at 25, and then it went up to, I think, 36. And then that last minute four, I kind of like panicked. I think I basically got, I think I got, I, I got screwed, I think is basically what I'm saying, uh, gently. Um, but but it still, it still sounds like you came out better than what you thought you were going to have to pay for it ultimately. So yes. Yes. So I think in the end, and it is a out of print. So I think 40 bucks, uh, well, for, well, 30 plus shipping. So 40, like is a pretty, I think a pretty good. Like, I yeah. mean, like I spent I more on that right. Spike Lee copy, but I think it, it's, all right. I don't blame you because some of those original like early editions of King have some of the best cover art, not only in his career, but also just in general of just books or genre. Like, yeah. I mean, and we're both a big fans of the cover art for sure, but it, do you have a favorite era of cover art or is it kind of similar to your other uh, response, which was the more the favorite era of King? Like what, what's, where's some of your favorite like cover arts? Uh, so I, I think that, I think that they kind of affect each other a bit because to me, I think, 
the the best stuff is in the 80s uh and and a bit into the early 90s but they're so iconic they're absolutely Mm -hmm. iconic the artwork is incredible um and you know now we know how stinking iconic even the typefaces that he used the uh how do you pronounce that ben giot because now it's I, the Stranger yeah. Things typeface, but yep. Benjiat, I don't know how it's pronounced. Um, but that typeface was, I mean, it's been used for a lot of things, but it was very famously used on a lot of, of the 1980s uh, King works. And then, of course, then Stranger Things picked it up and now it's had this like interesting resurgence. Uh, and you see it a lot more now. Uh, but it's, it gets such a, you know, you see that. I remember when Stranger Things came out and it's like, Mm-hmm. Oh, that looks really familiar. Oh, it's the Stephen King font. Yeah. 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 Um, and yeah, so like, uh, oh, geez, like the artwork for like the original artwork for it is so good. And then uh, one where it's the hand coming out of the sewer with like yes. the eyes in the. Yep. Yes. Misery stands out to me. Uh, Pet Cemetery with the cat. That one That's is- probably my favorite. That one. That one freaked so me out as a kid in the library, like I would like walk away from the aisle where King was at because that cover like freaked me out so much. Yeah. That one, uh, rules. Oh, geez. There's actually really like, um, I really like the color, the cover for needful things. Uh, yes, that one's really good. I like that one too. Um, another really creepy one is night, nightmares and dreamscapes. Is that the one I don't know. I'm thinking of past midnight. Uh, describe because that one has the, the huge clock it's got on like it. A, it's got like a creepy like scarecrow in like a crucifix position on the front of it. Oh shoot! I need to look that up. That sounds cool. Yeah. Like, I, yeah. So yeah, I think probably the probably the '80s to answer your question. Okay. And in terms of like your least, because I mean we've seen some pretty bad cover art. Like I think we we're just we we're just like Josh and some like styles of it like earlier before the podcast. We're where do you think King's been done dirty in terms of his cover art? Like, which is a poor representation. Uh, Are you talking about a whole era? Like you just asked me for. Uh, in terms of just era. certain, like, I mean, like, do you have a, I guess era, because for me, I don't, I'm a big fan of his, the later nineties, two thousands, where it's very early Photoshop. Um, to get a couple examples where it's just really bad stock photos or something like that. Well, you were asking me about, um, we were talking about the mid to late nineties, uh reprints paperback reprints of like mass market uh paperbacks of some of his older works mm-hmm. and signet uh published those and almost all of them are white covers and then they are highly stylized but not in a good way like um you showed me pet cemetery which has like a glowing crow behind it which is like really weird iconography for that book anyways because like well, it's i realized i was wrong it's the stand one that had that not the pet cemetery so i'll oh, put okay. that, that was my bad yeah then that does make sense for yeah. for the stand um but i was mentioning one one that's absolutely atrocious but it's so 90s is it where there's like a, a part harlequin part uh the crow painted up person on there like that doesn't even look like pennywise mm-hmm. the clown it just looks like some dude like like a juggalo on, <laughs> on, the, on the cover it's so bad it's so bad 
Um, and actually, sometimes you still see those around. They're definitely out of print, but I, I've seen them at like, used bookstores. Um, yeah. And they're they're almost kind of like fun for how kitschy and ugly they are. But yep. yeah, I, I I agree with you. I think that um, some of his let me let me pull up my Goodreads. Uh, ooh, dude, yeah, some of the early two thousand stuff. The artwork for Cell that's atrocious. Um, yeah, not good. Uh, yeah, it's interesting. Um, I think probably yeah, the early two thousand stuff is is a little dodgy. And then I think, um, I also think that, you know, cause they're constantly reprinting his work. And I mm. think that some of the, just like we were talking about with like the kind of mid to late nineties, um, signet ones that all kind of looked the same. The, I think there was also a, a kind of ugh, trend with the reprints, especially like mass market ones, um, paperbacks. Well, yeah. It, it looks like there was written no budget, no, really no budget in like, uh, cover design. Uh, but then but- he has some like, uh, more recent stuff. That's really minimalistic that I really like. Well, okay. See, this is, I guess a little more modern. Cause I think this is 2014. Like, uh, I was looking, looking at revival. Oh yeah. That's the one with him on the train, right? The character on the train. Uh, uh, you mean on the cover art? Yes, it's it's just a like a lightning bolt, but the way that oh. the text is laid out, it's it's I don't know I I I just like it. I'm thinking of a different, different book thing. I'm so visual minded that I think I'm getting like like I I got like uh his other collection of short stories mixed up with uh Needful Things uh just be or, or not Needful Things like Nightmares and Dreamscapes just because like sometimes they all kind of have like a similar theme sometimes because even the newer ones I've I don't know if you've seen them in Barnes and Noble, the more minimal focused ones that are like single color background. They don't use the OG Stephen King font. It's a little more like scripty. And then yes. you have, it's more of an iconography because I think Stephen King was so known for like certain symbols, like the ax in misery, the mouse in green mile, the like just minimal. And so then you'll see like these yeah. black silhouettes with a focus on a certain object. Um, I'm liking those. I'm, I'm liking the minimalist ones. I think because I'm an illustration fan as well. So I think that's where yeah. that bias comes in mind. Yeah. Um, like, it, I don't know. I, I just, I, I've always enjoyed like sifting. He's one of those authors that I think has such a unique. Um, there's even a book you can find about like the, like the eras of like horror and genre, like book cover art. Uh-huh. And because you see the different eras and he's so unique. Isn't, because, that, that, isn't it? Isn't that written by Grady Hendrix? I think so. Um, is it the one like uh I think yes, I think that's it because it, I've seen it at Barnes and Noble, and it just it, it fits me in the nerdy spot because I would spend hours uh, not even buying books, just sifting through them in like Barnes and Noble yeah, and like yeah, buying things same. based on that. Like, I mean, and, and oh man, it's so hard to decide which ones really are like his the best epitome like Stephen King book art because there are all so many like bangers. Um, oh, I if I had to pick one. Um... Mm. do you own any of the ones that you that you really like the most or is this yeah 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 i definitely do now um i think pet cemetery yep it's iconic um and uh, yeah i think closely followed by it and uh misery i i really like 
the 70s ones, but they're so 70s. Like, have you seen the the original artwork for like The Shining or Carrie? Yeah, where it's almost like they're just like it's like water. Looking. It's like watercolor. The characters have like sunken eyes. There's not really much like it, they look kind of ominous. Uh, and there so are times, and it, it's so neutral. Like where it's almost like there are times where I wonder when cover artists were like back in the day doing like paintings. I'm like wondering where the the artists really given the book to read, or were they just given kind of like a vague description and they to make of it what they will. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, like, but I guess out of all like the kind of the earlier works that you have, the cover art, like there's a couple of ones that I have just older books in general that I'm kind of afraid to like, I don't know. Like, I don't want to say like, not I'm afraid to touch them, but there's this whole idea of like, well, I spent a good amount of money on this. It's an older book. Do you have like demi copies for some of your more like prized uh, versions you have? So I haven't went out of my way to, to buy like, one to read, one to keep on the shelf. But for instance, I was already reading The Stand just recently on a mass market paperback. And I told you about this in a mm-hmm. <laughs> in a previous conversation of this recording <laughs> where uh, I was already I was already reading that and and then I I got The Stand uh, and on hardback in that lot. And it's in really good shape. It's really old. Uh, and I was like, I th- I've already kind of beat up this uh, paperback, you know, to putting it in my bag to take it to work and traveling with it and whatnot. I think I might just finish this book with with this rather than and. But I will say, I I definitely don't think I'm gonna do that. Like when I get to, um some of these other books in this dark tower reading list that I now own. Uh, and I've only got the one copy and it's just the, you know, it's, it's the, the, you know, first edition or the, you know, even the, um, the, the book club one, if it's, if it's an older book, like I think books are meant to be read. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I probably would really only, be like super afraid to actually read one if it was like really high value. Okay. If it was like a true first edition, first print, I don't think I would be handling that. Or if it was a signed copy or something, I, I think I would be, I, I would be making huge efforts to try to like keep that, pristine um and i want to keep these in good shape but uh i do think one thing i will do and i, I can show you here uh-huh. so this is in really great shape this is the uh oh my i've got my my blue oh, i see it i have the it's dragon in really nice shape uh like really really like i told you it was pristine um but i want to keep the slip pristine so i pop the slip off while i'm while i'm reading it um because those usually They'll get those little tears and stuff. Yeah, I'm definitely guilty of not doing that. I'm, I've been better about it, I think, because I'm notorious for just taking books everywhere I go. I, I rarely read at home. I don't. I, I, I get too antsy. I got to go to a coffee shop. And so I'll, I'll get those frayed edges because I crammed in my laptop bag. Or Oh, we've all, all done it. Yeah. But yeah, now that I've got this collection, when I read those books that are in the collection, I probably we'll do that and, and try to be a little careful. But if, if, if my, one of my older hardbacks is the only copy I have, it would be ridiculous of me 
mm-hmm. not to go ahead and read it. I, I feel the same way about about sneakers. I'm kind of a mild head, a mild sneaker head, and I, there is absolutely no effing way that I would buy a pair of shoes just to like put it on a shelf and look at it. Like they're meant to wear. You know, I've I've so, met this yeah. one guy that had like 90 pairs of like high end sneakers. And I'm, I almost made a joke and I'm like, do they help pay for rent? Like, because he's a whole room devoted to those uh, uh, fan sneakers. <laughs> and I mean, that may, my, that might sound hypocritical because like, as if you're a listener, you also know that I collect pop vinyls and you know, those are just sitting around in boxes. Um, but I mean, unless you're a kid and you're going to like play with it, even a pop vinyl isn't like really like an out and out toy. And so to me, I look look at that different. It's not necessarily meant to actively use it. Where I, you know, a book I think is best enjoyed actively using it. And so I, yeah, I want to enjoy my collection in that regard. I'm just gonna be es- careful with them, especially if you like put in the time and effort to like find them and get good copies. You almost want to treat them with that same kind of like patience and respect. Do you ha- do you display your collection in a certain way? Uh, is it more prominently placed in the other books? In your house? Um, so I have most of the King collection altogether. Uh, it's not displayed in any sort of fashion that I would really want it to be. And it's merely due to to space issues. Um, when we move and go to the next place, I, I, I would like to have a full large bookshelf uh, cause right now it's kind of like in a cabinet. It, it's, mm-hmm. it's not ideal. It's a glass cabinet. So, it, it, you know, it looks all right. Um, but I would like to have like a full on, like just, you know, like eight foot tall bookshelf that is just the whole collection. So it's just all there. Um, and it, at that point I would then, you know, take a little more, um, time to, organize it and display it but yeah i i I do have them organized together for the most part uh other than i have a little bit of overflow that is going into a miscellaneous shelf Uh um and that's just due to space yeah i so how do you uh, organize yours because like i said my criterions i do mine based on if it's a uh like if it's like, you know, the packaging or like the spine number, like how do you, do you do yours from earliest to most recent or I, hardcover sock to soft cover? Oh, uh, well, I mean, I'll tell you, dude, like, so these, these shelves are, they're deep, but they're, they're not very high or wide. So mm-hmm. I, I've got them like freaking three deep. Uh, but the ones that are on the, the completely devoted just to Stephen King shelf then the, and not, you know, mixed with others, the ones that are most prominently featured are are like my faves. Uh, I've got Pet Cemetery up there. I've got Cujo. I've got It. I've got Misery. I have The Stand. I have The Shining. Um, so like my faves, my my crown jewels, if you will. But okay, yeah. I I, I right now there's not any there's not any real organization. And again, I I plan on doing so when I can have them displayed the way I want to, which um, hopefully, you know, will will happen here sooner rather I, than later. I like that you mentioned listing earlier. I'm kind of backpedaling a little bit, but I, I'm also kind of a listener. I like to like log my books and Goodreads. I like to, oh, yeah. especially that annual challenge they have where you want to like, I've been learning not to do, be too ambitious and set like 60 books. Cause I feel like then I get too anxious and I'm like, I got to read it 
just to get that numbered versus enjoy it. Uh, and you mentioned that you like to kind of list the books that you have a collection of, or at least the mm -hmm. ones you own. It sounds like how, and do you, how kind of anal are you about your lists? Like, I mean, like, do you like how many lists do you have? Are you pretty methodical about well, it? In terms of collecting, the only one that I have that it's like, oh, these are books that I own is, is just the King one, because the, like, like I said, I, that's the only one I feel like I actually have a collection mm -hmm. of. And as far as being methodical, I'm just using it to just track what I have. Um, but I have to give you credit because you just introduced the whole like uh, being able to change editions thing. I, I was completely not aware of that because you can't do it on the mobile app. And that was primarily what I was using. But uh, you introduced me to if you're using the web version, uh, web desktop version, you can go in there and you can change the edition. Um, also, you know, just to your preferred artwork if you're just using it for listing. But if you're also yeah, like a, a, a person that likes to track your progress through a book, which I definitely do, um, the only way it's going to be accurate, uh, I came to find, is if you have the correct edition. Mm -hmm. And I mean, for a writer like King, there are many, many editions. And so now... I, you know, you and I, you just introduced this to me, like just, just recently. So now that I know this, I think I'm probably going to be a real maniac and, uh, go through and on my list, get yes. set all the correct artwork and additions. Um, yes. Good. <laughs> because yes. I'm with you. It, it is a little annoying where it's like, Oh, well, that artwork is not the one that I have or the one I prefer. And this is some addition that like, I, I don't have any connection to. I don't have it. Um, so I think I'm going to change that. And in terms of uh, any sort of <sighs> anything else in terms of like making it more granular or more organized, um, I really don't because, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's just, just books – that I own, but I, I think I'm going to probably go through and do the, the artwork and the edition things. Um, and I don't know if I will categorize it any further than that. Cause I'm going to, I mean, I've even got my one Bachman book on here. And if I get any of the others, I'll, I'll put them on here too. Cause it's the same dude. So yeah, no, no, I'm definitely, I, uh, it, it makes sense. You'd recommend, I don't mean to interrupt you, but like, uh, yeah. would, would you recommend going deeper with the, uh, with the listing? It's, it, it depends. Cause I, I do mine a little differently. I definitely log the ones like ones I own and ones I haven't read because when I got really bored during COVID, I'm like thinking, Looking, of course, for all those readers to buy books because I've been in this bookstore for more than two hours. I better buy something. I don't want to be like some, some just passerby or just this. Uh, but I, I will buy books at bookstores all the time. And so I have, I'm looking at right now, and I can guarantee you that three quarters of books that I'm looking at, I have not read, but I bought them over the course oh, of like 15 years. Same. I think that's yeah. that's most book nerds, and and I think uh, most bookworms they're to read list is longer than their I have read list. I know. I, I yeah. even did a second list because I wanted to log, okay, what are the books that I own but haven't read to help me determine, like, will I actually read them? Because there's that whole, like, 
like the whole when you want to re- rearrange your room or prioritize things, you want to figure out what brings you joy. And I developed this new kind of hobby. This is maybe extra book nerdy, but um, <laughs> you can go on the app to determine little libraries. Like those little, like little, they're the size of like, you know, bird, they look like birds, large bird nests, but they're basically just books from different neighborhoods. Uh, and you can see them in any town or major city. And if you go on the app, it'll tell you where a, a little library is. And so a lot of books that I've Wait, realized- on I uh, no, not oh no, not Goodreads. Just in general, listing like I mean, like oh. this, this is a side thing outside Goodreads. I well, will what's like this app called. It's like, little little library, like little just, library. Okay, so just, yeah. just plug it for the listeners. Little so library. You, you can so you can basically like if you're riding your bike around, which I know you do, like and you come across one, you're like, I'm gonna look to see what's in there, and I'll swap out books that I want to get rid of. But I don't want him to just sit in some library. I want it to be like, oh, someone who's walking by can appreciate it. So yeah. that's kind of like a newer book thing that I've been doing. But in terms of that's lists, fun. like I'm more thorough with my movie lists than I am with my book list. But I definitely have been doing book listing to help determine how to kind of decrease the pile. Because uh, I'd rather give them to someone that I know will read them or maybe not necessarily for profit at used bookstores because you don't really get much from that. And so I, I, that's been kind of my listing lately, but I'm definitely very anal about the book cover art because Uh I, even if it doesn't line up with the book edition that I'm reading, sometimes I just want to look at something visually pleasing. I will swap out a lot of my favorite books to the cover that I prefer in Goodreads. So I did an extra step and there are times where I'll be on it for hours. Um, I, I kid you not, if Letterboxd or IMDb let you do that, I would be on there even longer. Um, for like yeah, poster arts, cool. his own conversation. I, that'd be cool. I wish they would. I do that for Pinterest, though. I do log for poster arts and book cover art. Uh, okay, yeah. for like for like a mood board. That's kind of where my listing nerdiness kind of goes. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's the only uh, like little hack that I found in Goodreads. Uh, I wish they. It's a great their... little hack. I I yeah. uh, I wish I would have known about it sooner. And it, well, now just, you know. Just so we can kind of verbally walk. through people through this just in case you're listening to this and you're like oh shoot i didn't know that like i i would love uh to be able to do that so if you're on the web version of goodreads and you Mm -hmm. click on a particular book so i just clicked on needful things when it's not the artwork that i own or that i would prefer uh or or the edition that i own you can highlight over the artwork which is right Mm. to the left of the title and then there will be the rating and the like a synopsis if you highlight over that it pops up uh two options enlarged cover and then other editions if you click other Mm -hmm. editions it takes you to every single other edition that's ever been published for this and then like down to the foreign covers the foreign language covers and you can track down the one you have so i have the 1991 original hardcover edition so i'm gonna switch it to that because it's cool artwork (laughs) and i actually own that one and so when i go and read through it when i track uh my progress it'll be accurate yeah because i i used to percentage for that hack yeah yeah i used to percentage because like i didn't i knew the number count was off but it's so hard to spitball it sometimes like it's nice to just have that you know you're at that progression point it's like a a little page number person because then it'll say what the percentage is you know accurately if you have the correct edition Mm -hmm. and so now that i know this i'm gonna get everything correct so i can update it via the mobile app or desktop uh web version and it'll be 
pristine and accurate. So yeah, I just gave you a lot of hours on your schedule now to like sift through that. You're welcome. Oh, I'm into it. Cause like <laughs> I said, I I'm, I'm a big list person. I yep. don't really think you mentioned, uh, you mentioned the, like how you get way more granular with movie stuff. And I definitely uh-huh. do as well. I, I think that the like the listing on Goodreads is a lot more rudimentary, though. And so that's part mm-hmm. of the reason why I'm mm-hmm. like, I don't know if I want to get more granular with that. And then the way that I, I'm going to keep track of what I need to read with these King books. I'm already doing this like wild Dark Tower extended list, which yeah. I, I've I've got uh, a couple different drafts of different lists. And I'm going to kind of work on my own. And I've got that in the notes of my phone. Um, so that's going to really guide this, but basically I just, you know, I rate everything that I read. And so if it has a rating, then I know that I've read it. So that's kind of, I think what I'm going to do with this particular list of my collection. Yeah. The only time I don't rate a book is like, there's a few, a few times where like friends of mine publish a book and I say, I read it. I don't rate it on Goodreads just because of, I know they'll see it. Uh, um but that, that's the but I, i'm with you i rate every book that i read too and yeah. like uh, i would say i have a good chunk of four four or five stars for stephen king i think the only three i only put a couple three stars and that's more for like the i think dude the, I, yeah. I wasn't gonna call you up but i'm gonna do it now since you mentioned yeah. it so you were you were talking about like you thought eyes, eyes of the dragon were pretty good i saw that you rated it three stars and three stars is still i i label three stars as no I it's like not it. bad it's yeah. not bad but that's the thing, though. Is I think everyone has a different level of like three, four, four, five. Like, where does it count for? And I think for me, I don't know if I said this to the listeners. Is when it comes to like fantasy, I like fantasy, but I'm more intrigued by the whole how the story was told, the world building, uh, how it's kind of work. And Stephen King did a good job with that. I think it's just the fact that I'm just not a huge fantasy fan in general, uh, but I still fair. really liked it. But no, like, I, was yeah. just, I was just giving you a hard time because no, no, as you should, because like, yeah, because yeah, because it's definitely I'm always hesitant to give it two star to anything because I wish they could do half stars because there are a lot of books that I would do three and a half or two and a half, but they don't you do that. I'm well, I've had this debate with um, a frequent guest, uh, Amanda Murphy, where she really likes that Goodreads model of the five stars. And I I like the more like IMDb letterbox model of 10 stars. Uh, or is Letterbox ten stars? I know IMDb is. Uh, it's uh, Letterbox is five, and you can do half stars. But, so well, that, that's yeah. better. Oh, so yeah. IMDb, you can't do half. I I really like that. But to me, I, I I like the ten star model. I I like you know that it's a nice even uh you know ten stars. You if you can think about it in like on like a grading scale, you can think about it on a percentage yeah. scale. It's it's just easier for me to wrap my head around. And I think there's a little more room between excellent to okay to mediocre to poor um than five stars because i mean i agree with you something that's three stars i don't think is it it the connotation can be like oh not very good and then Mm. it could be like no this was this was pretty good it just wasn't like really good or great uh so yeah i'm i'm with you it's kind of puts you a little more in a box Especially, it makes me want to reflect more because when I was rating, uh, I think the only other Stephen King book I gave three stars was his um, uh, his collection of short stories, uh, not Graveyard Shift, but his first collection, not Different Seasons. That's um, it was the That's one that has night, the gaunt- Night Shift is is the first collection. I think is that it. 
Uh, it's that's the, the very first collection he wrote, and then there's Skeleton Crew. There's what's the one that has the mist? Is that Skeleton Crew? Yes. Okay, yeah, that I done Skeleton Crew, and I would say I I think just for this for the mist Gaunt and uh, the Jaunt. Sorry, the Jaunt. I feel I I, uh, I feel like Craig's being like this. It's the Jaunt, not the Gaunt. Oh, dude, uh, he always talks about that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, that one and and Survivor type, which uh, Stephen King has even said, his I think is the one he's most pleased with. He said in an interview, he's very impressed with how it came about. Mm-hmm. And for those three stories alone, it's a four star book. But I've noticed when I was reading a lot of them, like it, you can I think the fact that it jumps around between his early seventies, late seventies, early eighties, it, it jumps around to where I almost I would get really invested in one really good short story, and then I'm like, oh, I got to read something that's good but it doesn't feel the same way as the last one so i think it's just the structuring of the, of the way they're presented gotcha. made me i think it took me a while to actually finish it just because i was so invested in a handful of the stories that the rest ones just felt like not chores in the bad sense but i'm sort of like i'm not really into this but i gotta read it i i think that was just more the mood i was in so yeah, I, it's uh, it's tough with novella collections or short story collections that they're all super consistent. I honestly think with his collections, the most consistent one is different seasons. Agreed. That was my first king. Each and, novella is yeah. really good. And then when they're good, they're great. Um, and I think, you know, like a lot of people think like the breathing method is the weakest of the four. Mm. And even that, like I, it was so different. I found myself very intrigued by the world. The tone was like, it's the darkest uh, of, and the more, and the most um, supernatural of the four. Um, yeah. So, but that, yeah, I don't think there's a, a miss in different seasons, but it's, I suppose it's a little easier when it's just four novellas rather than like a collection of 20 some short stories, especially the ones there's, there's that are like, there's to be some stinkers. Especially the ones that are like, I've seen a couple of good ones. I'm definitely, I definitely do want to read like Night Shift and um, his other collection of short stories like uh, Midnight and Nightmares and Dreamscapes. Because uh, I, so many of his short stories are pretty iconic. Uh, like we said, Different Seasons, which was my first Stephen King. And I forget, didn't you say, was Different Seasons your first Stephen King? Or am I making that up in my head? No. Okay. I No, I, I, I just read that in my adulthood. The okay. Time. You know, I yeah, that one was definitely a gateway for me, like uh, different seasons, because it introduced me to the movies of Stand By I, Me. I and think it is. Yeah. I would recommend it to. I would I would put it on a short list for people that are trying to get into Stephen King, especially if you're a non horror mm-hmm. person. If you're like, uh, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't want to mess with, like, um, I am, I haven't, I haven't been successful yet, but I am, I'm bound to determine to get. Heather, uh-huh. for the listeners, if you don't know who that is, it's my wife. I'm bound and determined to get Heather to to read some King. She'll watch the movies and has liked some, not liked others, depending on how scary they mm-hmm. were. Um, but I, I keep telling her, I'm like, different seasons is your book. Like, that is a great entry point. Uh, you know, and there's none of it's really horror. And the closest it gets is the breathing method. And I, I think that's totally in her realm. Mm-hmm. I probably wouldn't ever, unless she really, really wanted to, I probably wouldn't like, you should read pet cemetery. Cause I, d- I think she's going to be like, absolutely not. Cause I mean, we've watched the movie. So I think she already knows what she's getting into. Um, but she was just telling me 
I was really trying to put over the stand to her because it's like, hey, this is like, there's some horrific stuff in this. Like really horrific stuff. But I it, I really don't think this is a horror book. This is a science fiction dystopian sort of thriller with a lot of actually like character drama. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, and so I was telling her, I was like, I think you would like this. And I've, I've checked a few things where I'm like, this is a, I'm going to, I'm going to eventually make you like a little like non super scary King reading list, green okay. mile, you know, like, you know, and um, yeah. So I, I think different seasons is a great entry point because it, it reads really, really well. And, uh, and again, like there's so much rec, you know, uh, it's easily recognizable because you're like, Oh it's the book that uh, Shawshank Redemption was adapted from. Or, oh, it's the book that Stand By Me was adapted from, which are two of the greatest King adaptations yeah. ever. So Yeah, and, like, and I, you brought up a good point because, like, there is a distinction of, like, uh, I, my, it was my first King, and it was his one of his, like, forays into non-horror. So the fact that, yeah. like, you're right, I think Different Seasons is a perfect entry level for someone who isn't really into horror, but they are curious about King. Uh, I mean, I guess for the the horror fan though, like, what do you think is like a great entry level for Stephen King? The Shining. Yes. Couldn't agree more. Um, and if that level of scare is to your liking, I would then move to, I'd move to, um, Pet Cemetery, and if that isn't too dark for you, if you're if you're not wanting to cut bait because it's extremely dark, I don't think it's necessarily the scariest King book, but it's it's really dark. I mean, if you're, yeah, the subject matter yeah. is dark, and like and and where it goes, um, and the questions that it's asking are really really dark. If you can handle that, um then I would travel to it. And if that doesn't completely wear you out by its length Mm -hmm. or weird you out by some of the weird uh, (laughs) stuff it has, then I think you're Stephen King fan. And I I would, I would recommend keep, uh, keep going. Yep. I had a teacher that kind of did that curation thing for me because she was really into King as well. And she first did different seasons then she thought like, well, do you want to try horror? Or do you want to stick to drama? And I'm like, well, I want to stick to another good like story. And then she says, oh, the girl who uh, the girl who loved Tom Gordon. So that one had some scary elements. Yeah. And then she's like, well, you like that. And I'm like, that that was pretty good. Like, and the, would you want something a little more like scary or more thrilling? I'm like, yeah. And then she recommended Cujo. So when another that one went really gnarly. OK, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. And then Christine. And so I think high school I did a good chunk of Stephen King. Like now I do a healthy, like two or three a year, maybe Sweet. a blend between physical reading and audiobook. But I think that was my yeah. early trajectory. Um, but like, I, I guess kind of for one King fan to another though, like if you're kind of presenting a situation where you're like, uh, to kind of add your collection, if you will, you're kind of, it can be your white whale or whatever. But if you had a pick, would you rather have a first edition of your favorite Stephen King book or personally like a true first edition, first print? Yes, like the one, like, yeah, like, or would you rather have personally signed, personally signed, personally signed? So you, Matt, met Steve, Steve King, and he's like, hey, Matt, want me to sign this kind of very bad conditioned copy? Like, which would you have? Okay. So I, I asked the first question. So I saw this, 
saw this question on your list of questions and the show notes. And I was like, that jerk. <laughs> That's a tough ass question. Um, uh, and then, so, yeah. And I, I wanted to, I wanted to clarify the, the first yeah. edition because again, like I mentioned earlier, if you have a late printing first edition, it doesn't mean a whole lot. Um, now, first edition, first print, you know, obviously like that's bragging rights, but it's also like, that's a financial investment. So, um, I, so I have one more question about the personally signed. So like, so you say very bad condition. What, what is very bad condition? I got to describe it. Um, like, are we talking fall apart? Like pulling away from the spine? Like, like imagine a middle school library. Uh, like there's like tape like on the written side. on and stuff. <laughs> like there's like for me that when I think the classic like high school middle school like library there's like a little Definitely bit of tape to hold the cover on and a, a penis is drawn somewhere on the pages. I wouldn't uh, no illustrations. There's some, we'll have some credibility to it, but I would so imagine. It, yeah. So it's not defaced. It's just beat the shit. Yes. But held together by tape. Is that what you said? Yep. On the oh, spine. For cripe's sake. Um. Because I, I that's, this is that, the that, worst that. question. Because I, uh, and the reason why it's so specific is that's how I saw when my classmates in high school read Pet Cemetery. Was this like there's literally it looked like something bit the corners of of the the cover because you could see the pages on the ridges and the spine was rubbed away, so it was just like duct tape. It, but he finished the whole book front to cover, or what was left of the cover. <laughs> so okay, so I think the way that I'm going to justify this is. So unless this was a situation where unless this was a situation where uh, I just ran, you know, I'm visiting Bangor, Maine, and I just r- randomly ran into Stephen King somewhere and like, hey, I love your work. And, you know, maybe he's yeah. just feeling benevolent that day. And <laughs> unless it was a situation where he's like, hey, you know what? I'd love to give you something. I I've, I've held on to, you know, the, the, fir- the very first copy I ever saw of, of Carrie in stores. I bought it for myself just cause it was really, really cool to see, finally see my book in, in stores. I've held on to it for all these years. I've moved many places. It's gotten beat up. Okay. You know, I, I, I definitely, I believe in taking care of your books, but it's, it's taken a little damage. <laughs> But I'd like to sign it and give it to you. In that case, uh. I would choose that a thousand times over. But if it was just, if if I if it was just some, you know, like let's just say like you found out about a signing or something, and it's like I have to get the first thing I can sign. I go to a used bookstore, just find mm-hmm. it and be like, oh, this is all I could get. It's just it's like that condition. I I would I would pick the true first edition. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I like this. I like the added narrative that you applied with. That was fun. <laughs> I, had a, I had a fun time with that. I have to justify this fantasy scenario. Yeah. Yep. Um, no, like, because we all have those. it would be a great story. It's not just like, oh, well, I had, you know, that's a great story rather than, and it, there's, there was some, be something sentimental to this, this crappy old book rather than, oh, I just had Stephen King sign this crappy old book. Cause in that mm-hmm. regard, why wouldn't you just have Stephen King sign like a piece of paper for you? Have you? Then you're have just you ever, getting it for the signature, yeah. right? Like it's yeah, yeah. And you I, want to, I, I agree because that's how I've. I would say you want to have something to kind of almost catalyst the moment, and it, especially if it's something that binds, uh, to for lack of a better pun, like uh, the two of you together, which is the author and the reader, the book. 
Like, I will say that, you know, I, I don't have like any true first edition, first prints, mm-hmm. but if I got wind and I, I, he's, he's so prolific and, you know, he's a huge celebrity. He's probably in terms of like writers, what would you say? Like him and JK Rowling, like they're the most famous living writers at this point. I, I would say. Been, in the modern era. Yes. Cause I, yeah. even if you haven't like, even if you're not a big super fan of either, like, you know who they are. Like it's, and even back in every like era has those authors, but I think in, at least in like recent memory, I don't think I've can't think of any other author. Yeah. They've, they've, that's still living. They've, of cro- course, they've yeah. crossed this threshold. Um, and so I, I don't know this for a fact, but I'm just assuming that like, he probably doesn't do like regular book tours and book signings anymore. I, I just, I think it would be just chaos and pandemonium if, if he did. And he, from what I know, I don't think he's like a con person either. But if I ever got wind that he was at a con, uh, I would I would seriously consider like looking up like what they were charging for autographs. Okay. And I I would maybe you know if it's reasonable and not like mm-hmm. you know like ridiculous. I would, I would maybe, I'd maybe do that. I, I would maybe okay. like, uh, I would maybe bring, um, cause how they're kind of doing these like autograph signings at cons these days, like they're, you're paying for like per item. So oh, I think that's I would, right. yes. I think I would, um, oh, this, uh, actually now this is a fun, a fun, uh, quandary. Okay. Do I bring, do I bring my copy of, Storm of the Century because it's my favorite and it was like really like life changing for me, informative and, and whatnot. Or do I bring uh, an old beat up paperback that has a lot of sentimental value to me because it was it belonged to my parents? And mm. or do I bring the the pet cemetery that I just bought because it's it's my favorite artwork? I, See, this is tough. Especially because, like, yeah, because you're right. Tough. Like, it, the fact that you are in control of what you want signed. And I think it depends. Yeah, if you could only pick one, like, I. Because, bro, I mean, how, 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 yeah. how much do you think his mind would be blown if, like, out of all the books I could bring him, like, I would like for you to, <laughs> to, sign, to sign my copy of Storm of the Century. <laughs> Honestly, just, just, you should just add the act. Just dress like a classic hipster total contrarian and being like, I want you to sign this. No one else has really read it. Like, uh, just like uh, you should want, I would want you to like add on to the whole thing because it's especially, but no, I would, I think that that would be an awesome thing. If you were bring the one that no one else brings, cause I can, I can guarantee you he's like, okay, shining pet cemetery, carry storm. But what the fuck? It's like, cause I don't, is he still look fondly on that or where's his relationship with it? Is he our kind of uh, question? From what I know, like, cause the, the interesting thing is even though that, you know, I think it's kind of flown under the radar. Like it was a big cultural thing when it first came out. Like it, it, it scored a really high Nielsen ra- rating, you know, cause this is, this is pre-streaming. So like, you know, people were tuning in, uh, on basic cable for this. And as far as I know, it like the, the printed screenplay did well. And that's, mm-hmm. that's how I discovered it. I read the screenplay actually before I watched it. Um, 
And it both are great, by the way. If you haven't seen Storm of the Century or or read the screenplay, I would highly mm. recommend it because I think it does fly under the radar. But the thing was, I think that was so tied into to the miniseries release that, you know, once it was done and passed, like it wasn't widely distributed. Um, it's actually really hard to find now. I, 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 you can only get it on DVD and it's, um, it's, yeah, it's kind of weird. It's hard to find. Uh, but then I think also the accessibility of the fact that he never made this into a novel. It was, it was just a screenplay. I think that, Mm. That kind of reading, it's uh, for some people, it's it's totally fine, and some people are comfortable with reading a screenplay. But some people, it's really bizarre and takes them out of it. Um, Especially if there's lots of descriptions, like 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 when you're reading plays, there's like lots of like not quite stage instructions, but for screenplay, there's lots of like I don't know. You, you kind of want to get to the story and having like that pause to be a, like he faces the there's directions it can kind of like yes for me i i enjoy that because i used to read a lot of screenplays but you and i are really big film fans i i think if you know if you're not into film and 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 movies in that regard it's probably a a, it's probably not your cup of tea especially Um, if you want to be the one who's playing the movie in your head you don't want to be told what to see like the screenplay might give maybe right for for sure um and it's interesting. I, from what I do know, I think that like he is proud of that. And um, I that that book and the uh, the film have like their own like kind of sub group of fans that are like big, really you know, like myself, like really into Storm of the Century. Yeah. But it it it's interesting. It doesn't get the the recognition of you know, of some of his other works, especially, I mean, even just even the, uh, the kind of the longevity of the, the miniseries. Cause you know, like everybody talks about the it miniseries and the stand. Um, and that one's not talked about as much, but again, like it's, it actually, if you go like, look, um, on reviews from that time period, it got good reviews. Uh, and like I said, the, the Nielsen rating was really high. So it's interesting. It's just, I don't know why it isn't as uh, talked about. As well, it is, who, but my understanding is that like, I think he was proud of it. And um, I will say, I don't think it's going to happen at this point, but if he ever just got a wild hair, cause he is kind of a wild hair writer. Yeah. So if you ever got a wild hair and, um, and put that into novel form. I'd buy the shit out of it. That's a yeah. That'll be interesting. The whole. I, do, thing, I, I yeah. think if he, I mean, it's late nineties. If he was gonna do it, he would have done it maybe shortly after. Um, I don't think he's gonna do it. Or, if he ever decided to do a sequel to that, which again I don't think he's going to, because it's kind of some of his more obscure work. Because um, I think a sequel. Have you seen that or read that? No, I okay. I know. Uh, all I'll say I, is I think there's a yeah. sequel could be made. Let's just there, say there's definitely I'm familiar with the premises about because he's definitely an author that likes to reuse a lot of themes. He likes to revisit ideas, and I, I don't mean that in a negative sense, but sort of like I think it, there's a quote I don't know by, by some author director or I'm forgetting who, but there's that whole thing of like if you want to master something, you repeat yourself or you remake yourself because I think there's a lot of I think returning to the well 
to revisit things and reevaluate things. Even though I've seen a lot of things done in the same way as Storm of the Centuries told and the whole multi huge ensemble, they're stuck in they're stuck together. There's a big event main, like there's all those kind of things going on that he's used before, but I think he learns, I I would imagine he's learned from his past version. He's like, okay, here's how I can better do it this time. We saw that with Hitchcock. We see that with a lot of other big authors, like, and even some of or even other directors as well. And so it's very refreshing to see Stephen King kind of return to that well. Uh, but it's very even more refreshing to hear that's to I think I just love the idea of you bringing that screenplay book because I don't think anyone's thinking of that. Like I I doubt anyone would think of that. Oh, I'm sure. I think if you're if yeah. you're gonna so like let's say like you know again I don't even know if he does that anymore. But if you were a person that's going to see like an author at a con, like let's say it's a fairly popular author, they're gonna have a blocked amount of time, and so they're, yeah. they're and then now the way they do it is they 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 sell these appearances and, and signatures. So there's going to be a certain amount where it's yeah. like, well, I'm doing this for three hours. You're going to sell X amount, you know, um, out of those amount of people, if it was Stephen King, I would venture a guess. I'd be shocked if there was more than one person. Cause I mean, he's not going to be there and signing like 10,000, uh, you know, signatures. There's no way. So maybe like 500. Is yeah. that, do you think that's a, for a guy his age, if he was to do this, like, especially if people are going at a reasonable pace, they aren't like overstaying their welcome. Like, I mean, uh, maybe yeah. even a thousand. I don't, I don't know, but I, I, I would, I think I could confidently say that if like if people came there to have him yeah. sign books specifically, I don't think anybody else would would have Storm of the Century. And if it was, yeah. there would maybe be one other person. Uh, yeah, honestly. Uh, I think that's a great kind of like a, maybe maybe I need to do this because it's just so <laughs> weird and obscure. Well, it's in the ether now. It's in the podcast ether, so it is there. Our listeners heard you. You gotta fall through on it, and I think that's a kind of great closer to this like okay. collector's corner, Stephen King. Well, if it ever happens, then we need to then we need to do a special episode. Uh, oh, and talk you, about the experience. But again, our, I, I I don't think he even does that stuff anymore. So or just do a gorilla podcast right in front of him, like like there's two backpacks and you're like, oh my, yeah, like dude, just insane. Security like, yeah. would be no. There's no way. There there literally probably is a premise for a movie where someone like kidnaps an author just to be in their podcast. That that that, that that's a million dollar idea, well, bro. Right there. No, he's wrote it. It's misery, it, but it's pre podcast. Exactly. They re, he can rewrite it. He can rewrite I mean, it. it. Yeah. It's it's that's yeah. It's, you know, it is really interesting. Um, I guess he's working on, and that's what I, I, I gotta love. The yeah. guy's still like very prolific. Like he's still like putting quite, quite a bit out. I, I guess he's working on, I don't know if it's like in the editing, but, uh, he's, he's got a few books on deck. One of, one of the books he has is, and I, I'm not super familiar with, um, the, uh, that like Mr. Mercedes series, but one of the detectives that he established in that, that is apparently also in his book, the outsider, which was, they made that show about uh, that HBO series. Um, He's doing a book that's just based on her. And that's like hard crime sort of, you know, crime detectives work that he's, you know, done a lot of lately, um, but especially like early two thousands. So now he did a lot of, um, crime novels and whatnot, but apparently yes. he's also working on something. And I don't know if it's horror or what, 
um, he's working on something that's set in the pandemic. And so, so now he's really like, he's been playing a lot more in like very contemporary stuff, which I really enjoy because for somebody of his age, you know, he could just keep kind of doing like, uh, you know, books that are going back to the fifties and sixties, which is like, he's done that plenty, but I, I like that he's, he's, writing some stuff that's set in a, in a contemporary setting as well. Um, and so part of me, I would kind of love to see him write something about like podcasting or toxic fandom or, or something that's cause obviously he's definitely tackled that. What I would say are meta elements by having, you know, there's a, oftentimes a writer in his work that is a stand in for him and some sort of, um, in some sort of way. And, you know, misery is very, very meta because he wrote it about like, you know, having negative fan interactions and having this fear of like a fan going too far with him. Um, so yeah, I, I think that would be, I think maybe it'd be fun to see him like explore, like, toxic fans that maybe have like a Stephen King podcast or something like that. Or I, honestly, yeah, no, or just, just kind of like reflecting on his relationship to the fans. Cause they have evolved as we kind of talked about our episodes, like not even just evolved in relation to him, but just in terms of just pop culture, like there, there's different toxicity, different relationship. There's more of an outlet to discuss it. it there's a lot more rich that I, I'm hoping he does kind of sneak something in kind of a little bit on the polls on that for sure. Cause we need some good COVID art like right now uh or maybe he'll just well, do his that's why i'm i'm dying to see what he's cooking up that is a pandemic thing cuz also he's very political too and he's been very outspoken since um yeah, and i mean whatever if we get political on here it is what it is and if it turns people off it is what it is i i haven't completely hid my thoughts on that stuff but he got very uh, political, especially on Twitter, kind of the uh, during the rise of Donald Trump. Um, so if he's doing something that is so contemporarily based, I'm ver- I'm then wondering like, is he going to then kind of like, is he going to try to incorporate some some themes of Trumpism and you know that sort of thing as well? Like, I yeah, I'm 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 all in on that. I when I I saw that I was like. You go, Stephen King. You go. I, I'm hoping it's going to be horror based because the last uh, two years have been absolute horror. So if Stephen King's going to write about the pandemic, it better be fucking scary. <laughs> I know. One, one can hope, and we'll definitely be there for when he releases it. That's coming out is uh, is like very kind of going back to the high fantasy thing. It's called Fairy oh. Tale. Oh, it's coming out like this fall, I think September or October. Okay. And Just look into that. Yeah. The, yeah, you'll have to, you have to look into the synopsis. It sounds cool. I was, I was honestly thinking, I'm like, Hmm, should I like pre-order this? But now that I have a little King collection, but I don't think I will I'll probably <laughs> probably wait for the library just to be safe. But well, I mean, it sounds like we can definitely, there, there's so much more we can keep talking about for Stephen King. Cause I feel like he's been kind of a, a third member of this podcast, you could say. Uh, so it's nice that we have one focused on him altogether, which we did for the shiny, of course, but like, and yeah. this is fun. Cause it's, it's talking more about like collecting his work rather than like mm-hmm. reviewing it, which we've, you know, we've done a bit of that, um, you know, whether it's 
film adaptations or his actual books. And, and I'd, I'd like to do more of that, but this was kind of fun to just kind of talk about, you know, being a big fan and actually like collecting the physical media. Uh, so I appreciate yeah. you taking the reins and asking me these great questions. And, um, and thanks for having me. I mean, like it's, uh, I'm definitely eager to give you updates on my collection too, as it expands. Cause yeah, we, yeah. I, well, and I, I've done that with like the, the pop vinyl thing with, um, my buddy, Tony, who's been a guest on, uh, you know, Tony mm-hmm. been on, uh, the pot a bunch and we've kind of like, it's been a while since we've done that. Um, but I, I would love to do that with your criterion collection. Um, especially, as it grows or if you get any more white whales. Yeah. I, I considered laser discs, but at, the, at, at that moment, laser discs would only really be framed on my wall and I already have enough wall space already. So I don't think I'm ready to go into that deep end yet. Um, but I don't know. That, we, would, that would be fun though. Yeah. We're, we're both, we're both frugal collectors. I think is kind of our, like we, we know what we like. I think but, you're a little more yeah. frugal than I am, but yeah, I, I haven't gone hog wild in terms of value. So mm. Yeah. yeah. All right. This is great. All right. Thanks for having me back. And thanks for letting me interview. Thank you, man. All right. See ya. All right, nerds, that's all I've got for you today. Thanks so much for checking out the episode. And thanks to my guest host, Jimmy Levins, for hosting and asking me all those great questions. It was a super fun conversation and I had a blast. I love talking about collecting. I love talking about Stephen King. And I love talking about reading. Speaking of reading, I think since I am doing this extended Dark Tower reading list, I am planning on doing some more episodes, just doing uh, one-off reviews on these titles as I read them. And if that's something that y'all would be interested in, let me know on social media uh, on at Nerds with Opinions on Facebook and at nerds underscore opinions on Instagram and Twitter. So give me some feedback on if you want to hear some more uh, reading episodes, if you want to hear some more Stephen King episodes, but I think I'll plan on doing that. And I will definitely update and do once I'm done with this entire reading list, I would love to do a full on like extended dark tower episode. It will probably be pretty chunky. I might have to do it in multiple parts, but I think it'd be uh, pretty fun because I'm already, you know, I'm not, I'm maybe a quarter of the way through and if that, maybe an eighth of the way through and it's, I'm already seeing the rewards of it with these connected worlds and connected uh, titles and whatnot. It's, um, it's really, it's been a lot of fun thus far and I can't wait, um, as it progresses. So I think I definitely have to do like a big fallout episode with that. So, if you're enjoying uh, this podcast, if you could rate and review this episode on Apple Podcasts and follow the podcast, that would be great. If you're on Spotify, make sure you're following Nerds with Opinions and also rate this whole darn podcast. You can rate out of five stars on Spotify now, and it really helps me out. And with that, I'm going to bid you adieu. As always, I'm your host, Matt Holbin. And you have been listening to Nerds with Opinions. Long days and pleasant nights.